Wins, clean sheets, points and serious ownership talks. Things are looking up at the Hawthorns for the first time in a very, very long time. We'll discuss it all on this week's Baggies Broadcast. Hello once again Baggies fans, my name is Johnny Drury, this is the Baggies broadcast and he is Lewis Cox, the ENS's Baggies expert. Coxie, how are you mate, you well? Hello Johnny, I'm well, good to see you mate. A few technical issues but we got there in the end didn't we on this dreary Monday. Um, yes, yes, few tech but issues, but uh, but you're you're getting out again this evening. You're going down uh, down Keys Park. What's the uh, what's the kids? Yes, famously one of the I think I said this last season one of the coldest grounds in English football. So looking forward to that, mate. Few layers, I think. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, yeah, it'd be good to see the under twenty ones. Actually, it's been been a long time coming. They played at the Hawthorns a couple of times this season, been able to watch, but I haven't been tense but yet this uh, this season. So that'll be a good chance. Lots to talk to Rich Beale about, actually. A lot of, obviously, youngsters involved with the first team recently. Um, so, yeah, there'll be a good, good chance to do that. I always like going down there and seeing what's what with the with the 21s. So, yeah, we'll bring, bring obviously, readers a bit of that, the other side of, well, this evening and beyond this week. Yeah, we'll have a bit of a chat about uh, what you've seen on next week's podcast. But as we said, we're going to talk... Edwin, we're going to talk about that sparkling win over Hull City. I'll be now up to fifth with one game left for the international break. And if they can win that one, then uh, they've been a very, very healthy position going into the third third international break, I should add, of the season. We won't oh, get started on that. No. Um, but we'll start with uh, with what we saw sort of popping off yesterday and in the last few days on on social media, because it's the it's the talk on everyone's lips. It's what we've heard. We've heard nothing else but ownership talk and you know, gouch and lie and prospective owners. We all know that the club is up for sale. And yesterday there seemed to be some sort of development. Well, there was a mystery man, wasn't there? There was a mystery man photographed in the Halfords Lane stand at the Hawthorns, um, which we're led to believe is a sports lawyer um, who was involved in, in takeovers. Anyway, that sort of led into people speculating about talk. Um, and we've got we've got a little bit of concrete stuff to to bring you, Baggies fans. Um, first of all, you know, like you, we have seen the names that have been banded around, um, some American names. Um, we're not going to really focus on the names because they can't be verified at the moment. And like we've said in previous ownership talk, a lot of that will be covered by non-disclosure agreements. So unless we can 110% stand it up, as we always do, you know, we're not going to we're not going to speculate on that part. But what we think what we can say, Coxie, is there seems to be some serious developments involving one interested party, which is the the positive news. Is that that's probably we can say that definitively that there are there is a party who are interested in in, in taking over our famous old club. So I understand, Johnny, and so I'm told. I think it's important to first say it's a critical juncture, really. At the, what are we now? November. Um, you know, the new year, January, February is not not far away, is it? It's just around the corner and of themselves knows that the this process needs to you know it needs to be brought to a successful conclusion from an Albion perspective because financially obviously the situation and position can't go on forever regards you know overheads wages um MSD loan you know these are all things that need clearly a big considerations when it comes to the takeover and you know as we've said before what when 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 the loan oh, time frames are hard to predict and and we can't really discuss them with full knowledge but when that when that 20 million pound loan runs out then what next you know nobody can tell us what next it's it's nothing you know big 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 bigger problems so it, clearly this is a critical time you know as you rightly say from from what we've told and heard um talks and our promising situation. Um, wouldn't say that lightly if I didn't believe it was the case. So that that is indeed positive, as you as you say. Um, names have been put out there, banded banded about over the weekend, and they're they're, they're interesting. And really want to say too much, yay or nay, against them. Um, if I could, I'd obviously be bringing that in some sort of report. And and but yeah, um, from what I've been told and what I've heard from numerous sources. That uh, talks between group, a group, groups, individual, 
um, and the club have gone well. And it's a serious group who are, you know, serious about the club and uh, a serious player. So that bodes well. That doesn't mean I'm not, you know, I'm not for a second saying that um, search is coming for an end and Albin will be sold tomorrow or before the new year or just the other side of the new year. But the importance of it is growing by the week. Let's not kid ourselves. And um, yeah, from what I've heard, it's it's a move and a prospective potential owner that would bode well, I think, in, in the research I've done on it. We hope in the coming days, weeks, to be able to bring more uh, sort of clarity on, on individuals and stuff. But yeah, um, from what I've heard in the last sort of days and weeks, it's in, it's in, a, it's in a good place. Club have said before, haven't they? Mark Miles, the MD, has said that um, that thing that talks are progressing. I, from what I've been told, there've been half a dozen um, groups, consortiums who have held talks, held interest. But yeah, you know, clearly some more more serious and interested than others. And yeah, all I've heard over the last couple of weeks is that um, that that as you say, Johnny, there has been um, a group with with very real interest and very real aspirations, ambitions when it comes to Albion and. I'm praying by all accounts to, to get things wrapped up and done, which clearly is in everyone's interest. You know, the clubs, lies, um, new owners, everyone. But there's a there's clearly a lot to, to sort and negotiations to have and everything that goes on involved behind the scenes with investments, takeovers. Um, yeah, so, but it, 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 is, it is a positive and encouraging update, I believe. Um, and I suppose fans listening can have some sort of optimism that in the background work is ongoing and being done with a view to getting something over the line eventually, which is clearly what, what everyone wants. But it's, yeah, at this precise moment, it's tough to be any more specific. From what we, we gather, they've been at the Hawthorns in recent weeks. You know, there was this sighting of this lawyer on, on Saturday, but yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, representatives um, seem to have been at games, you know, obviously you had Plymouth QPR and, and now Hull at home, but they have been in attendance. You know that's max of serious, you know, serious interest. You know, we, we saw, we, we we've seen names of interested parties. There was the crypto guy, wasn't there, a few months back, and a, a, and a duo or a consortium before that. But this is Albion. For, obviously, that the the details of it are sparse at the moment. And like we have said, you know, until it's sort of signed, sealed, and delivered because of non-disclosure agreements, there won't be an awful lot of information that can be banded about there. But Safe to say, you can. Albion fans are getting excited on social media. It's one of them. Don't get too yeah, excited for it. it's all all signed, sealed, and but this is probably the most promising situation, as we're led to believe that there yeah. has been since since we knew that Albion were on the market. Yeah, and I don't want to give credence to to this yet, you know, and say you know I understand this to be you know wholly true when when at this specific moment I can't. Um, I've heard by good sources that let's say interesting party that things are progressing and developing and there's very real interest but I understand the excitement and the, the like, what's being banded around clearly um, it is uh, from, from what I can see and from who I've been speaking to uh, an ideal scenario um, what's been talked about regards the the American uh, individual slash group you're mentioning there Johnny um, but I think what to be able to happily report as as real um news is that yeah progressive and encouraging optimistic talks and um and yet parties or at least serious party involved i've been talked about one you know have, have real ambitions to get get this done when they can so um we hope that in the coming days and weeks it continues to progress and we can continue to bring bring more um it's nice to see the, the supporter base excited by something obviously you don't want it to be sort of red herring and being excited and carried away for no reason. I know Albion fans are far too long in the tooth to be carried away by, couldn't be carried away by, but, um, but yeah, look, it's it, the boardroom and everything going on with this lie sale of, of Albion, everything else relevant really, isn't it? Not totally irrelevant, but in significance really, when you, we talk about the importance of getting this done as soon as possible. For the reasons I, I mentioned, you know, financially, where do Albion go without the help of, or, or at least good investment? But clearly, you know, people hope for a full takeover. Um, of Gokchan Lai and 
yeah, it's it's a critical period, as I said at the top. It, it really is. It can't. You know, we get to we're in November now. It'll be we're getting into December before we know it, and it'll be twenty twenty four before you know it. And you know, this process going on been going on for a little little while now. You know, we're talking months, talking good number of months. We bought the news in the summer, didn't we? Of of live looking for um, what that'll be about six months ago soon, won't it? And yeah, these things take time, but. Arvin don't have endless time with these things, do they? With no investment or funds at the moment, outside of third third party loans. Um, clearly, there's something to be to be solved and sorted. But as I say, we are told here at the, um, the Express Star that that the talks are encouraging and you know hopefully continue to be. Apologies for that, Bugs fans. We're having a little bit of audio um, audio issues at the at the moment. Um, Coxie, in terms of um, price and stuff, we've heard you know we had sixty, we had thirty five. Um, but I understand from what we believe it's 35, but the debt, you know, there is a significant amount of debt. So will that debt be on top of the, you know, the the, the ballpark figure of 35? You know, these are negotiations. Yeah. So I imagine when it's all thrashed out, whoever the party may be, you know, it's not going to be bang on probably the figure that we've we've previously yeah. been reported or, or, or been told. Yeah, um, so, so as you say, 35 million is the, the rough, uh, value of the club. I, I realised 60 million was reported in the summer, wasn't it? And that's taken into account. Um, we've already talked about the 20 million MSD loan on top of that. Clearly, there are other outstanding, you know, payments, look at player, you know, funds to other clubs, things like that, that will will add on top of, take that up to around a 60 million mark. But yeah, the club, in terms of the football club, that, that 35 million fee and debt, money's owed on top. Um, take that fee off now obviously however the deal is thrashed out as you say is up to the interested party and up to I suppose Lai and his team selling Um, but you know maybe a case of taking that debt on or maybe a case of the interesting party being able to wipe it straight away or you know that that will have to come out in the wash we'll see but um, yeah the valuation is we're told and led to believe in around 35 million and that's you know, that's without, as you say, the um, the debt on top of it and the, the loans and the money's owed. Yeah, 35 million, two and a bit, Carl and Grant, um, really, in yeah. terms of uh, in terms of money. Um, but yeah, hopefully some some more positive news bags fans to bring you in the uh, in the next couple of weeks. Right, let's talk football. Let's go on to the field. Let's talk Hull. Coxie, this is going to be a bold statement. Best performance result at home this season? Oh, uh, uh, maybe, yeah. We, yeah, is that your opinion? I don't know. Um, no, it's just a question. Um, yeah, it's it's up there. Yeah, I'd say so actually, mate. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about the Borough and the Swansea wins at the at the top of the season, but Hull are more than a decent outfit, I think. So, yeah, get, they showed that in the first half, I think, didn't they? So the way Albion turned it around, I think credit to them. I think it was a superb reaction and a key win. You know, a mightily impressive crucial turnaround second half everything that came with it you know improved defense quality of the goals attacking creativity and skill yeah i thought it was really good so yeah i probably have to say for a home game Johnny, you're probably right then and could do a couple more good ones the other side of the break no doubt against uh ipswich and leicester yeah yeah certainly performance wise one thing that smacked me coxie and i i, I um i talked about this in, in in one of the pieces that i've done post-match is that no one you know a lot of managers are sort of, you know, select the same team based on form. You know, if your form's good, you'll remain in the team. But if you want to find your Chalibur on Saturday, you're probably sort of tearing your hair out thinking, what else can I do? It shows that Corbran, you know, no one is safe. You know, selections yeah. aren't safe given form. It's all, you know, like we've said, horses for courses and he will attack teams in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a fair game, isn't it? Um, I, I take your point and I don't disagree that, you know, good performances and etc warrants a place in the side but it, it doesn't work like that really does it if if a manager or you know Corbyn sees a um again an advantage to be taken by playing x instead of y yes he'll take into account form momentum confidence and and stuff but he'll see and he so often speaks about two players for every position and being able to switch between you know whether it's personnel or a back four or back five that was another big talking point wasn't it going to a back four sort of see back five being sort of almost ever present this season but back four um worked well eventually and Chalab is a good case in point he's been excellent hasn't he but um you could learn more got the got the nod didn't they at half time when I, I think by the way Hall were the, the better side 
I think I remember saying to you, I, I don't think the midfield was there for me. Um, and I think you said back to me, didn't you, Johnny, about them being sort of not enough tempo there, a bit one-paced between them. Um, obviously, Chalaba brings that at, the, at his best, doesn't he, being able to get around the pitch, athletic. Um, Malumbi too, uh, energetic, athletic players. So you don't always necessarily get that, obviously, from your Kushlu and Moa, but um, they turned it around in the second half, didn't they? Both used the ball excellently. Um so and I did think I did think Okai was good at Coventry, and I did think Moat was as well. Um, clearly, Chalaba was too, and how, how the head coach went, one had to miss out. And I thought, you know, obviously Chalaba's the unlucky one, but you're right, nobody's safe. But I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I I get rewarding performances, and I think it's right in some most cases. But I think there's always a case for keeping players on their toes. You know, and uh, and making that change that might spark something, and and if he, it's all down to tactical. Look, they'll have studied hall, they'll have studied training, and if if they think I asked Corbran, you know, why are back four today, you know, was it to match up Hall's four two three one, and 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 he just said no. Look, we saw that it was the best formation to go with, so that's what we did. So he won't stick with the eleven just for the sake of it, but I think we all know that by now. Yeah, one thing I want to say, you know, I want to talk about that second goal. So you know, we've all seen how good it is. It's a fantastic goal. But for me, it was quite, quite, quite funny, quite ironic on on Saturday that I think Hull were, you know, they are a better passing team than Albion playing through the thirds. But Albion had more than Hull in the area of the pitch that mattered, which is the difference I think between Albion and maybe the likes of Hull. Plymouth were another side who could play very well up until the final third. They had no cutting edge yeah. in the final third. They looked sharp, but they didn't really have the chances. Um, is that sort of fair to say, Coxie? Yes, Al, you know, if Albion could spray the ball around like Hull did, and given the players, you know, they've got at the top end of the field and the fact that they're scoring still at the moment without, you know, two strikers and a, and a playmaker, you know, it'd be frightening if Albion had that level of build-up play. You know, there, it isn't quite there. It's there at times. It is there. But Albion can't produce it over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure you get me get my point. No, yeah. no, 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 I do. Yeah, you you're right. Uh, the worst similarities, actually, I think. I think uh, I think Hull are a better team than Plymouth, but you you make a good point regards those two sides and having sort of similar failings maybe at the Hawthorns in recent weeks. Certainly Plymouth, yeah, you know, as a newly promoted side, looked top, didn't they? The, the way they were able to sort of dance between the lines and one twos and little touches and layoffs and stuff, but it's very toothless. In, in the final third, as Albion were that day in that nil-nil. But I think I've said something this season, and I think it stands for a number of games, most of Albion's games. Yes, there have been a, a couple of stalemates, a couple of nil-nils. Um, but Albion, are, for me, by and large, been pretty ruthless in both boxes. Um, you know, the, the defence, we've waxed lyrical about, and the stats back it up, don't they? Um, in terms of clean sheets, league leading, conceded, one of the yeah you know, one of the best records for goals conceded in the division. Um, that's a ruthless defence. That's a defence doing their job. That's a goalkeeper in form doing his job. And at the other end, by and large, Albion have scored the goals required, haven't they? There, yes, there's been a couple of blanks. Um, but I think when you consider the context of, of players missing and what's available, uh, Albion have probably been as good in the final third as they could have been this season. I think as ruthless as they could have been goals wise. Yes, they could create more. And, you know, I think the crowd at times want to see um, the team create more and maybe a, a quicker tempo. And, you know, how often do we hear the shout, Johnny, forward quicker and all of that, which I know you have a, a bee in your bonnet with at times. And, and I agree. And, and the second goal was a great case in point, wasn't it, about going back to go forward. But I think in both boxes, I, I don't think Albin could have been much better this season considering. And that's the difference, I would say, between where they are now um, that back line, that rear guard record has been able to get them up to where they've got to, as as well as obviously being able to score a goal. That's the difference between where they are and being 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th at the minute. No, it's an interesting point. The, uh, I just have to say, Baggies fans, the Baggies broadcast mascot that you saw on uh, our little clip on uh, on social media on Friday has just come over just as we started talking about that second goal. So I think he really wants to uh, to uh, to get involved. <laughs> he was uh, He was very happy with that. That move, and we'll talk. I think he wants to talk a bit of Grady Dean Garner as well, and so do I. So we'll talk about um, Dean Garner. I did a bit of a piece with him yesterday about his, you know, his turbulent sort of last three years and the struggles that he's had. But he's hitting, you know, back to near what he was hitting in that loan spell now. And 
Cox, he, he's for me. If he keeps this on, he's going to be the best player in the division. You know, regardless of what Leicester have got and Leeds have got. You know, there was a reason why the the the, the championship big boys were sniffing in the summer, despite the fact that for the last three years he, he hasn't done an awful lot. I think I worked out yesterday it was six goals in eighty seven games. Um, but it's unexpected. You know, we weren't expecting this. I think the fans had written him off, and then all of a sudden he's thrust back into it when the injuries start to pile up, and all of a sudden he's Albion's you know main man again. And, and to have that, it's such a bonus for Corbran to have a player like that playing so well at the moment. Who you know, I'm sure in his heart of hearts, maybe although he knew the ability that he had, he wasn't 100 percent sure that he was going to yeah. rediscover it. I think so. I think so. I think that's a. I think it's a fair point. I think yeah, you know, six months out and. Prior to that, Ed being well below his best, hadn't he really? Bar a little spell under Bruce for for a long time, a couple of years. How long since you know Dean Garner's produced consistently? And it, it's great to see. It's a bold shout, Johnny, best in the division, but he's not far off. And and Corbin said it, hasn't he? You know, like top of his game, playing consistently, can be one of the most dangerous players in the division. I don't think many would would disagree with that if he keeps it up. But it'll be huge for Albion, clearly. It'll be absolutely huge for Albion. And it'll be interesting to see where that takes Albion and Dean Garner come January. Um, but hopefully where it leaves Albion is the right end of the table. And, um, you know, in terms of on-the-pitch stuff, in a in a comfortable position. But it's it's great to see him confidence up, isn't it? I know we were joking on the video after the game Saturday about him celebrating with the fans. You know, he can be a sort of low-key figure, can't he? But he's clearly very, very happy and loving it being back to back to form, back to a central figure, isn't he? He's sort of reveling in it and, and that's great to see because confidence must be flowing for him at the moment. And ultimately, Corbran, I suppose, has done. Corbran's got this out of him. We, we spoke about Corbran improving coaching players. He coached some out of Dean Garner here, maybe, or coached some out of him, you know, fed him some confidence somehow. Um, I think, as Corbran said to me the other day, these injuries have helped. They've, they've sort of the door was left ajar for him and he's, he's storming through at the moment, isn't he? And it'd be a bold chance to leave him out of the side at the moment, wouldn't it? We spoke about players being left out on, um, on on in form and no one guaranteed a spot. It'd be brave not to start Grady at Southampton on Saturday, I think. But it's it's great to see, isn't it? He, you know, was it two goals in two games? Then he grasped all by the scruff of the neck, didn't he? Those two assists. I know the second goal was about the whole team, but he still had to lay on the final pass. And the third goals, you know, to kill it off is is a moment of quality he's got, isn't he? That that very few of us have. So, yeah, bodes really well. Does indeed. Just on the, uh, you know, let's talk about another winger, Jed Wallace, banging out form, but he's got himself back amongst the goals. He took his goal really well. It was a gift, but he still had a lot of work to do, and it, it took good composure. Found the corner of the net. I thought it was one of his better displays on Saturday. I thought he got in some really good areas at times. Um, this is the injection he needs, almost, isn't it, Cox? I imagine. He needs a little bit more, or a little bit of a different <clears throat> sort yeah. of game plan to get him firing. I can't imagine he's someone like Grady who maybe needs an arm around his shoulder, you know, like has been explained by Steve Bruce in the past. Um, but this could be, hopefully, you know, could be the kickstart, you know, from get Wallace flying as well as Dean Garner, as well as, you know, Thomas Asante, as well as Matty Phillips as well, you know, with the players coming back. It's going to be in a fantastic position, but, you know, we hope this kick starts Wallace now because he certainly needs it. Well, interestingly, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things Corbin told me about Dean Garner is he, he's enjoying playing him on the right flank at the moment and he thinks that's where he's sort of thriving and a part of why why it's going well for Grady. But, you know, that, that does bring up a question mark of Wallace, doesn't it? Sort of forever Wallace's position. Um, and we, we've seen him central of late, haven't we, Wallace? Or just off, you know, as, as a two, just off the, the other striker, be it Thomas Asante or whatnot. Or even Wallace as the one, the nine leading the line. Um, so he's been sort of fumbled around at the moment. Wallace sort of made to play other more unlikely positions. I was so pleased for him to get the goal the other day. It was a great finish, wasn't it? And um, there's never any doubt in his commitment to the cause. And I, I almost feel bad mentioning this all the time because that's not just what he's about. He's got so much quality. We all know this. Um He's not having the same time of it as he was this time last season, where he was flying and clearly Albion's best player. Um, but uh, as I think I've said before, there's no doubt that he can come back. Um, pretty hopeful it does. I mean, again, he's having to shoulder a lot of burden, isn't he, with players out. There's been no other options. Yes, 
yes, there's been the Tom Fellows option, of course there has, and Fellows has looked great, and perhaps there's been a strong argument for Wallace coming out of the side and, and Fellows playing in games gone by, but it hasn't happened. Uh, Corbyn will know why. I suppose it's down to a big fact that Wallace is an influential key leader. You know, they're, they're hard to take out the side, aren't they? And and everyone knows Wallace can do things and something that can create a goal, score a goal, win a game on his own. Um, and almost sticking with him to, to fight, sort of fight, fight him back to form, you know, keep keep by him as he can rediscover it. And, you know, getting that, that opener um, on Saturday could be a, a key start in that. And we hope it, like you say, it can kickstart, come back for Wallace. Because I think everyone sort of hopes he can come through and, and return to the, the levels he had when he when he first came in, I suppose. Yeah, Carl Bartley, we're still waiting news on that on that shoulder. It doesn't seem to have been anything so far. You know, no. Carlos Corbrand said he was going to go for for a scan. I suppose we've got all things and toes crossed because he's another one who's banging form at the moment. Well, but yeah, I mean, Bartley's return came back for these run of clean sheets right at the start of them in, in September. And I don't think that's any coincidence, personally. I think... I think Kip, Cedric Kipper is Arbin's man at the moment. But dare say player of the season. Certainly was up there with John Swift before Swift's injury. Uh, but Bartley very quietly has been pretty massive, hasn't he? Let's let's be honest in this in this run. It was uh, it was ironically a big dominant clearing header that ended up I think hurting his arm in the first instance before half time. He tried to carry on, didn't he? But but clearly couldn't. We haven't heard outcome of. Uh, results yet, scan results, whether whether those have quite taken place at the time of recording, we'll have to see uh, whether it's a case of, of waiting further on in the week for that. Um, and only hope for good news, I suppose it makes him a real doubt for St Mary's, I would say. Um, clearly in some discomfort with his shoulder there and that doesn't often bode well, does it? Uh, I suppose the good thing is the international break comes after it and a two-week pause where he can recover and hopefully be right for the other side of it. But what I would say in Chemi Ajayi is I thought he was particularly good when he came on in Bartley's place for the last 40 minutes or whatever. Got the goal, yes, of course, but just having a great time, wasn't he? Gallivanting up the field and back healing. And it's not surprised when he was in the box to score in the end because he was, he was everywhere. But in all seriousness, defended really well. And he quietly started the season okay, Ajayi. And I think if, if he can return to some consistent form with the the raw pace and athletic attributes he possesses next to Kipra, that could be quite something. I think if, um, obviously, if Corbyn wants to stick to a four or, or obviously, you know, be it a Peters or whoever comes back into a three. He brings the pace that, you know, Bartley and certainly Peters haven't got. I just want to mention yeah. Eric Peters and, you know, probably a, a game out of the side will probably do him good. And I spotted on Saturday that when substitutes were coming off, for the large majority of average substitutes, he was the first one at the front of the dugout, you know, shaking hands, hugging players coming off and stuff. And, you know, he seems like someone, even if he's not going to be playing, he's going to be banging the mix of it. But just on the main point, Coxie is, yeah, it'll probably do him a bit of good given his age and the fact that he's played an awful lot of football in the last 12 months. Absolutely that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that. Yeah, I, I think, as I say, Corbyn elected from a, from a five to a four in terms of his defensive line and, Peters isn't going to be able to play every game, is he? Clearly, he's, he's, it's, it's a miracle how many he has played, I would say, and he, he's doing, by and large, excellently. But, look, clearly he won't be able to play 40-odd games a season. So, And the options are returning, you know, but were it not for Bartley's problem, we'd have, we'd have them all available. And, um, and hopefully Bartley's isn't serious, but the return of a Joey, I think, cannot be underplayed. I think that's a, that's a key timing, really. And if Bartley's a bad one, fingers crossed it isn't. Um, Hopefully the Nigerians, you know, back a sort of full full tilt to, to fill in. And, and, and clearly Peters has shown he's more than capable to do a job on the left of that back three. Yeah. Although well, remains to be seen if he's uh, he's back in the side of Southampton. Right, time for an advert. Shout, sorry, an advert. We had a bit of a brain fog then. Time for a advert, I was meant to say. Um, as always, our sponsor, the Catman Toaster Man. We much appreciate them. Over there in Briley Hill, they sponsor all our podcasts here at the Express and Star. And as as we have been in recent weeks, because it's getting a little bit little bit cold outside, we know how cold Coxie gets in the winter with all his his layers on it at uh, at games. He said he wasn't too cold on Saturday, which meant he must have had about twelve layers on. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you want to keep warm this way, they've got some fantastic heating products down there. I've been sifting through them this afternoon. I found an absolute beauty. It not only sounds good. It, Looks really good as well. A uh, a Pifco 
DN007 2000 watt stove fire in red for just £50. It looks like it fires out a load of heat and it'll look lovely in your front room. But they've got everything out there, you know, microwaves, kettles, toasters, knife sets, kitchen sets. They've got it. All the top mates, Beldre, Morphe Richards, Russell Hobbs at uh, at the what they are, a graded product specialist over there at the Kellen Toast. Man. Thousands and thousands and thousands of products for fantastic prices so if you want to go and have a look head to the cattletoastman.co.uk or head down to uh, thorns road in briley hill where their store is right time to warm up yeah definitely time to watch you know what mate i'm in a pair of shorts at the moment Uh, a pair of shorts we're out for a lunchtime run today and i'm still in a pair of shorts and i'm not actually that cold mate not that cold see that is johnny highly impressive different you know when you when you when you grow up on the borders you know, you're exposed to these types of temperatures and you sort of get used to it. You say. Put it like that. Yeah, wearing shorts. It's not quite as bad. My dad listens to us every week. He's a postman that wears shorts all year round. He's an upcase. Uh, <laughs> I think he actually had a bet with a customer once to go all year round without wearing, we're not wearing trousers, wearing shorts. I think he won. Uh, he was actually at the Hawthorns a few weeks ago in shorts for the Plymouth game, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was Plymouth because they drew, didn't they? Um, yeah. And he was whinging. But yeah, he, I said, I met him on Halford's Lane before the game, as I do when he comes down. And I sort of said, what on earth are you wearing? Um, and he said he was warm. So yeah, complete contrast to you, Coxie, with all your uh, your layers. You're like an onion, aren't you? Or you're like oh, one of them, what are them, ch- them Russian dolls, aren't you? you got all them yeah. layers on top of you. <laughs> top of you very layered, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very layered up. Right, let's go to questions. A lot of them about the ownership situation, which we... We've addressed, really. Um, Andrew Lehman's asked, what's happened to the atmosphere? And we talked a lot about that last week, Andrew, but um, there were times again on Saturday, it was a little bit quiet. There was no booze on Saturday, which I was quite happy with. But um, but yeah, we answered an awful lot of that last week. So I'm going to move on from that one. Uh, Nelios, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Does Swift automatically regain a spot in the starting 11? If so, who would need to make way? The second part of that question, Cox, is probably what one that needs a little bit more in depth but for me swift comes straight back in no questions asked yeah agreed yeah yeah agreed um tough call though you know if, if you take wallace out you said he's played a lot more central lately you know well, given that he's not hit the massive heights look at the, at the moment being garner's flying isn't he and uh, stand by what i said it'd take a brave man to leave him out against southampton um so where do you go with it you know it's 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 tricky isn't it um Look, Wallace isn't immune to coming outside just because he's skipper and, and he shouldn't be and he would never want to be and I don't know if, if you've got a gun to my head and asking me who, who I'd start if I had them all available I suppose in form at the moment Swift prior to injury and Dean Garner however it doesn't often work like that does it for example when Swift's back after a layoff probably return on the bench won't he that's, that's how it works and that'll be a bit of a, a get out of having to make the decision really but Clearly, when he comes on, if he does well, and then he builds his fitness up ready to start, that's when the decision arrives. And I suppose that's the point you have to see. Well, well how how do we go here? You know, Thomas Asante is another, you know, is he in and around it at that point? Because Madger will be back. Um, but look, I think, yeah, Sarmiento's coming back on the scene, isn't he? Very bright on, on Saturday. And if he can get somewhere near sharp enough to start games, which he should be, you can't just take it as a given that Sarmiento will never start. So, Soon have to be some tough decisions, I, I would say. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on the formation as well, doesn't it? Like, it's usually been the 3-4-3 three, three by and large, which obviously is two wide men, either side of a nine. Um, and Swift has been the left side of it for most, doesn't he? But again, that was before Grady, who's now on the right. So, um, yeah, I, if I was having to make the decision with them all on form as they are at the moment, when Swift's back, I suppose Wallace might have to take a breather. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Dickos has asked, does Tom Fellows deserve a start? I'll leave that one to you, Coxie. Uh, yes. Uh, but we've said that for a few weeks, haven't we? Um, I think he does, but I think the reason he isn't is to mind him and guard him against, yeah. you know, I don't know, not being burnt out, but guard him against coming up against fresh sides who find him easier to defend and look, I think it's going pretty well for Arbin at the moment, isn't it? By and large, I, if, if we'd lost three or four games in a row, I get it. Um, Blues into Plymouth. There was a big call for him, wasn't there? And didn't start since continued to be bright from the bench, but 
I don't see it now. Now the signs of players returning, you know, obviously Dean Garner's now flying. We wasn't. There's a case for Wallace, like like we just discussed. Sarmiento's back, so does that knock fellows a bit further down the pecking order? Maybe. Um, other players will be back over side of the break, won't they? So I, I won't hold my breath anytime soon. Um, but I think his performances have deserved it. I, I just think, I just think there's a case not to get over excited or carried away or rush his development in terms of having to play 90 or play 60 or 70 from the off, to be honest. And I think there's a massive benefit for him, him coming on against weary legs late on in games. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's one of them, you know, there is this clamour for him at the moment and he is playing well, but, you know, I'm all for protecting young players and not throwing them, you know, throwing them, not to the wolves, but... He's done, know, not, not that he's done more than enough, but he's done more than yeah. good enough, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think if Albion was still in the form that they were at the start of the season, he might have played a little bit more. Um, Tonky Towers has got in touch. Um, one of our regular listeners. I can't remember the last time he had such a team spirit with a group of players that we have. It's so obvious with their play, interaction and interviews. Carlos Corbin has done an unbelievable job. And the big test will be when he has a full squad to choose from. Yeah, I think that's a good point, but he, yeah, he, the, good the point. points you make on um, the points he makes there on sorry, the dogs wants to get involved in the discussion again. Um, the points he's making on the togetherness it is true, you know, it is true in it coming together, you know, in adversity. You, you maybe even look back as far as the Megson era where you know, where the, the club is sort of galvanized and all fighting for each other. I'd say technically it's probably a better group of players, but. Since then, Albion have always had one of the better squads in the division, you know, one of the dominant squads in the division. Haven't got that now. They're having to sort of get together and, you know, come not that the other sides didn't, but, you know, galvanise a bit more in it. That seems to be the case. Yeah. And 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 like uh, like Tonky mentions there, it's going to be it's going to be interesting when he's got a full, you know, managers want headaches, but it's not going to make it easy for him, is it, Cocktoo? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Johnny. I think it's a it's a good squad now, but it's not it's not deep is it it's not it hasn't got any depth at the moment and that ties back to the ownership and financial stuff we discussed at the top it's just not there and you know the head coach working with his hands tied behind his back but when players return to availability it becomes a bit deeper clearly it becomes a squad of an experienced group of 17 18 19 and that's when decisions have to be will become tougher won't they it's not a luxury you get very often is it everyone available we talk about players coming back and Ajayi came back the weekend and so did Sarmiento, but off went Bartley. You know, that, that's just how it goes. And there's a few players dangerously close to five yellow cards, isn't there? That sort of thing. How many games are they going to be where everyone's available? So if Saturday, Tuesdays, you know, midweeks, there are always reasons to rotate and leave out. And and I suppose what Tonky's getting at is it, it's right. It'll be harder in terms of players being a bit more miffed maybe when they're left out. And But uh, I think I, I backed the head coach to be able to balance that. I would say. I mean, Malumbi's a case in point at the moment, isn't he? Um, not started for a good old while now, since back end of September it was. So um, I asked Carl, of course, about that last week, actually, and he said, I think I said to you, Johnny, and I said on a video, it's just a case of having to bide his time. And yeah, clearly others have come in and done well. And you know, Corbin rates Malumbi, he said, yeah, highly. And his chance will come. Just got to make sure it happens when it comes again. And it's the same for others. It will be tougher when more options come back, but it's not a luxury you get too often, is it? All 18, 19, 20 players fit. It just isn't. And yeah, we'll make most of the luxury when it does arrive, but uh, I wouldn't get used to it too much. So don't see too much of a problem there. And I think, like you say, the, the, the spirit and atmosphere and everything we hear is is top at the moment. So that's credit to the staff as well, I'd say. Yeah, and I think it sort of feeds into that. You know, you say you're know, managing players that are maybe a little bit miffed that they've been left out of the squad, but then I suppose that togetherness and spirit and, you know, coming together that, 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 that Tonky's mentioned there probably helps that. You know, players aren't going to be, you know, if you've got a fractured dressing room and you're not doing very well and you're left out of the side but you feel you should be in it, you're probably, gonna, you're probably more likely to kick up a fuss than, you know, want to upset an apple cart in a dressing room which is doing really well. Yeah, no, exa- exactly that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I don't see um, the vibe or spirit or atmosphere behind the scenes being um, anything other than, than excellent at the moment. I feel I feel like it is a bit of a band of brothers situation where they know they're up against it, but but I think sneakily and quietly they'd be quite fancying it this season the way it's going. Yeah, and 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 then they they know you know 
uh, they know quality is set to come back in. So, you know, it, it bodes well. And I, I can understand why they'd feel confident, to be honest. Yeah, David DK, if the dreaded January fire sale does still have to happen, whose stock slash value has risen the most since the end of the last window, including those on loan, like Carl and Grant? Um, Dean Garner. Dean Garner. I think Alex Mowat on his performances this season. Swift. Um, Swift as well is another one. You Kipra. know, they're still Kipra. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're the ones you're probably naming, really, the ones that are standing out at the moment. Um, you're still probably getting more money for grading just because of pure age and, and ability and, and stuff. But it, but it's interesting. Hopefully, David DK, we uh, we avoid that. Uh, we I don't, avoid that I don't see, for, for that, I, I don't see a fire sale situation. I don't. However, you know, as we have reported, the club will still be in a situation where the need is still there to balance the books. You know, the need is still there to offset the you know, turnover against squad wage bill, that kind of thing that the, the club have been focusing on for a while now. They didn't get as much as many out as they ideally would have liked in, in the summer, uh, likewise inwards. But um, if it gets to January and the situations are staying and um, bids of seriousness come in, then, you know, they'll have to be, they'll have to be looked at and, and weighed to and against. You know, it's still a situation where, you know, takeover or no ta- no takeover, there's still finances to address and sort out in the in the very short term, at least. But Do- Oh, sorry, go on. No, 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 go on, Johnny. I think we've named a few players there, haven't we? And a few players that Albion wouldn't want to leave. Uh, we all know the situation, however, but maybe it's a situation where there are players more open to to moving on that Albion could could work. You know, players not involved. I still think of Josh Griffiths, you know, the young number two goalkeeper. Still with a lot of potential, I'm sure there'd be interest and value. Uh, certainly bring in, bring in funds, wouldn't he? Whether whether that would be enough to address the wage situation, we'd have to see because he wouldn't be a big earner, would he, Griffiths? Um, so yeah, maybe watch this space. But yeah, in an ideal world, it's players that that haven't been critical and, and, and key so far this season. There, there are so I mean, Grant's a, a classic example, but that's a it's a complex one, isn't it, with the Huddersfield payments, as we all know. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one to keep in mind. Cheers for your question, David DK. Uh, Doctor Strange, if we get the same amount of points until the end of the season as we did from this point last year, would we get promoted? Well, I think we'd get in the playoffs. You know, I think mathematically we'd get in the playoffs. I don't quite think it would be enough for automatic promotion, but as we know, Albion's points total from from this point onwards was really good last year, despite a bit of a drop off in the new year. Um, it was just that yeah. early season that that killed them. But I think I remember tables last year. You know, you know, tables of good call them, tables of hindsight, saying that if um, if Albion had a good start to the campaign, or they had points, uh, I think it was working out the points per game over Corbrand's reign would have been enough to get Albion in the playoffs. So they yeah, got yeah, us fourth yeah. or fifth. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, Bob on Doctor Strange. I think that it will get Albion, and if they can, I think do I like to think they can do a little bit better even. Um, I think he's he's forty six game record in the league now is something around seventy five points seventy six points isn't it which is which is playoffs you know all, all day long and yeah we must remember the second half of last season wasn't smooth sailing was it it, it wasn't rip roaring it was up and downs there were reasons to it um, and I'd back Albin to go and have a bit better time of it second half yeah. around this season given how the season's gone so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Downing's got in touch with a very um, interesting question. Carlos has built a winning team with no funds, limited players in certain positions. Seems to thrive on a crisis and rise to the challenge. He did similar at Huddersfield. How would he handle the challenge if he had financial backing? Uh, very interesting. Um, yeah. He hasn't had a lot to play with at Albion. You know, you look at the signings that he's made. Um, Chalaber, Albrighton, Pippa, Sarmiento, Madger. Um, Freeze and loans. Uh, not spent a single penny thus far. If he was to get a financial backing, which we hope is far away, um, how would he do? I don't really know. I, I would back him to, to know, do. I would it's, back it's, him to it's do well. Impossible to know. It's, it's I would, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't think he's going to be. You know, I'd like to think anyone who comes in and buys Arvin if they've got a bit of money, they're not going to turn around and do what Chelsea have done. You know, on a Premier League scale, obviously, it'd be on a different scale, but just buying players on nine, ten-year contracts for the safety of it. It's young, promising players and chucking them into a team and expecting them to do well. I think Corbran, you know, he smacks as someone who has the final say on on who West Brom bring in. And yeah. from what he's brought in so far, 
he's brought in players that have added to what West Brom have got. Yeah, maybe not Mark Albrighton, you know, that, that loan just didn't quite work. But um, I think he's done all right in the transfer market so far with the limited resources. I'd back him to do it. He's a clever manager. I, I put a thread of tweets out the other day just explaining quite why he's such a clever manager. And I think I think he would be even better than he is now with a bit of money in his pocket. Yeah, I'd back I'd, I'd back his movement in the transfer market absolutely. If if funds were available, I I would. Um, it's hard to say a no, isn't it? But from everything you hear about him and everything we know about him, he's an extremely extremely meticulous um, footballing individual. Who yeah, you know, I'd be surprised if there weren't you know players out there in different leagues across Europe that he's not aware of. You know, he'll be. He'll be on the ball with everything. And if there are bargains to be had further afield, he'll be on that. And you'd like to think he'd be able to make that happen. A, a relatively untapped area for Albion in, certainly in recent years, isn't it? So that that could be potentially exciting if it ever becomes um, a realistic thing. Um, yeah, I'd, it's hard to know for definite, but everything we, we know and all evidence points towards him. You would think doing a, doing a great job if he had funds available to him. Yeah, it's uh, it's one that hopefully will uh, will come to fruition in but, the future. But, but, but just quickly, Johnny, sorry, ten seconds. I do think there's something in he's got something to be able to rally an underdog. You know that mentality of everything's against us. Clearly, it worked for him at Huddersfield, and I think it's working here. So, be I understand the question: Can you translate that into? Look, we are big hitters with a bit of finance to use. Yeah, it's, it's, it then becomes a different challenge, doesn't it? Right, final question. Question from Sunil Patel. Um, how do you see us faring in this tough run of fixtures? Is there an argument that this counterpunch style may see us perform better against sides who try and come after us rather than those who park the bus? Yesterday's display against Hull seemed to suggest it might. It's a it's a good point, isn't it? Um, it's a good point, and it's one we'll have to find. I mean, clubs have kept possession over. Look at Coventry's possession statistics from the other Monday and. And I think even even Hall the other day for fifty minutes, Liam Rossini said didn't didn't he felt he started in control. Um Coventry was certainly in control of the ball. I think we'll see more games coming up. There I'll say it definitely Southampton. And I think Leicester and Ipswich as well, certainly Leicester. They'll keep the ball, won't they? But won't they? But I don't think Alvin are perturbed by that. I don't think it, it bothers them too much. Corbin said to me the other day, look, we'd rather have the ball. It's something we're working on and we want to improve on, we want to control with the ball. But Ultimately, I mean, they're finding ways through, and it's about finding a way through. Is it? If if you have to operate on the counter, they're making it work at the moment, aren't they? Look at Thomas Asante's second at Coventry; it's a perfect example, isn't it? Um, so they, they they've found that way at the moment, and a lack of possession doesn't seem to be hurting them, and that bodes well for these games. Certainly, um, tougher tests to come than Hull and Coventry, no doubt, and teams that there we say will monopolise the ball against Albion, and that's. Potentially a concern, but I'm I'm sort of encouraged by how Albin have managed to to get around that at the moment. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point, and it brings us on to the the final point of the podcast. Thanks everybody for your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see Cor- Corbran doing it again Saturday. Cox, you know, we're playing against a team, you know, a Russell Martin sounded team that maybe you could say pass for the sake of passing, but you know they're, they're very good technically. They've got still got some really good players from the Premier League days. You know, at times they've been found wanting this season. They got battered against Sunderland. Um, but they're going to be a team that can pass the ball better than Albion. And Corbran, it, it, it strikes me with a game that Corbran will probably just sit and wait for a mistake or an opportunity to press or to yeah. go long or play on the counter, you know, out of probably more than the whole game, to be honest. Yeah, oh, definitely, given Russell Martin in charge. I think um, Corbran was mightily pleased with the opener the other day from Wallace, where, you know, came from the whole goalkeeping error. But he placed elements on, look, we pressed, we, 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 triggered them um, exactly where we wanted and needed to be. And a lot of Saturday at St Mary's will be about that, won't they? They'll be they'll be absolutely studying just how how Southampton play it out from their own back third, you know, what defender the keeper uses, what shape they go into, and they'll have an you know, they'll have a clear tactical plan, Albin, of how to get at that, you know, which player to get on who doesn't quite fancy himself with the ball. And um, it could be one of those, couldn't it, where, you know, should Albion be as sort of strict as they are with their own back line, it could be one of those where one Southampton lose pass or one error makes all the difference again. Um, 
So we can we can hope for that, but we're certainly going to see a lot of red and white shirts with the ball, I think, on Saturday. Yeah, personnel-wise, just finally, obviously, if Bartley doesn't make it, it'll probably be a Jai coming in, or even Peters going back in. Does that free up maybe a spot? You know, we we, we said um, we looked at the bench the other day and said, it, you know, is there a need for two centre halves on the bench? Um, that takes a spot, maybe. You know, an attacking player, a Whitwell, a Cleary, you know, a Leighton Love, who who if record if Harvey need another forward player, might be that one to call upon. You know, is do, do you think that could happen? You know, losing Bartley, that means there's only takes one centre half off the bench. You know, or yeah. well. Takes to, to, sorry, from, because Peters was there the other day, so there was three central defenders on the bench. So you know, is there yeah, the a need thing that, for the three? Thing that it, the thing that it sort of um, it's it's whether you know we don't know are they going to stick with a back four, or revert to a back five, do we? That that's the change because the the four on Saturday allowed a four two three one, didn't it? So effectively allowed four attackers um, on the pitch, didn't it? When you talk about Phillips moving there with with Wallace, with Dean Garner, and with Thomas Santo, so. The the three four three with with Phillips coming back as a wing back, then then you're talking about just a striker and and two of those wide players. So that that's the sticking point, really, isn't it? It's it's what defensive unit will quite go best against Southampton's attack. Um, I think personally, just for the pressure Albion would come under, I would like to see the three um, and 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 the Peters return with a giant Kipper and, and and the wing backs of Phillips and. You know, furlong or paper. I just think it provide a bit more security and solidity um, against a, a Southampton team that has clearly, you know, it's clearly kicked into gear, clicked into gear, hasn't it? The Southampton attack and it takes some stopping. So yeah, I, I think I'd um, I'd feel a little bit more secure, maybe with with security in numbers. I think, but yeah, you, you would think that would open up a spot, wouldn't it, for a whichever you know whichever and whoever of the attackers is given the nod on the bench obviously Sarmiento's back and that's great but be it a Cleary or be it a Higgins or a Love um players I should see you know should well see this evening at Hensford um as well looking forward to that so we'll see they've had great experience on the first team bench of late haven't they and uh yeah be interesting to see if one of them gets the nod down at St Mary's yeah we'll see Baggies fans enjoy your uh your week um and thank you very much for listening you know, some positive news off the field. You know, positive news is is very much uh, flowing on the field. As I've been lost, lost one in nine. It's a stunning run. If they can win again at Southampton on Saturday, you know, they're going to be in such a good position going into that that international break. So have a great week. Hope you've enjoyed the pod. Those of you making that long, long journey down south to the south coast, have safe travels. And until next time, from me and from Coxie on the Baggies broadcast, it's boing, boing. Boing, boing.